he can do. What's up, Freedom House? Y'all look great. Happy Father's Day. Also want to welcome all of our live streamers from Canada, North Carolina, South Carolina, Maryland, Ohio, Virginia, Pennsylvania. Thank you, guys. Can we give it up for them for joining us today? Of course, everybody from around the city. And uh, today is Father's Day. And uh, just like Bob was saying, you know, yesterday they celebrated me. My wife and I are going out of town today, so they celebrated me. And I had to cook. Um, I had to clean everything up. And, uh, but you know, hey, whatever it is, I enjoyed it, I had a good time. Hope you enjoy your day. Today, we're gonna go kind of a different direction. The title of this message is Man Cave. We're doing this at all of our campuses. Pastor Matt, Pastor Michael are preaching at our other two campuses. Uh, when you think of a man cave, I just want you to yell it out. What do you think of? Just yell it out. Come on, yell it out. Sports. What else? No moms. No moms. No kids, maybe? Come on. You know, the man cave has been around, actually, you may not know this, but it was mentioned in a book in the early 70s. They called it man space, the mantuary, very different than a she shed. Just want to make that very clear. Today, we're going to kind of go a different direction because um, God uses caves often through the scriptures. And he does it kind of differently in the realm of which we live because he uses them to do something in our life. When I think, my man cave is my gym outside in my garage. I have spent the last six years investing in my garage. Um, now, you know, ladies are invited out there. Just when, you know, anybody wants to work out with me out there. But I probably spend anywhere from seven to ten hours a week out there in my garage just exercising. It's a place that I, um, you know, just, it's, it's play, I get away, you know, just a time of just resting in my own way, kind of restoring myself. Um, I, I enjoy it. I love exercising. I feel so much better. Maybe not during it, but afterwards. From a positive attitude, you know, Kim, you know what I'm talking about. You just kind of feel better about yourself after you worked out. You can eat more. Come on, somebody. Um, yesterday, I had a bunch of cheesecake in Jesus' name. If you do it in Jesus' name, all the calories are gone. But what, what, is, what are God caves for? I think there's a few things that God uses caves for. I'd encourage you to take some notes today. Write some stuff down. You might learn something. This is not just for men. It's not just for dads. This could fit into everyone's life. First of all, God uses caves for rest. Uh, Sometimes you just need to take a break. Uh, I'm a big favor of naps. I think naps are of God. If Jesus took one, I should take one. He slept in the middle of a storm. I should be able to sleep anytime I want. So uh, naps are very good. But, you know, when, when God uses rest, he wants to pull us away so we can really recharge ourselves, kind of get in a place where we can connect with him. It's a place of refuge. He often used a cave for you, a place where you could connect with him, connect with God, so you could hide. I don't know if you're dead. Maybe you need to hide from your kids, hide from me. I, I went into a friend of mine's house recently. His, his man cave, has. you have to go through a secret door. And I don't think his family knows where that door is. And sometimes you just need to get away and a place of refuge, a place where you can hide away from the stress of life. The third reason that God used caves is for reflection. 
reflection so you can reflect on your life. You can, you can get all the distractions away from your life. Maybe step away from social media, step away from email, step away from the job, step away just from the, 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 the rush of life so you can reflect and look about, maybe look at what you've done in the past. Look at those watershed moments. Look at those kind of central moments. I think as a man, you need to think about those things because they encourage you And also, you can build off of those cornerstones of your life. All of us should do that. There should be moments where you look not at your failures. You learn from your failures in the moment and then build kind of that moment up so you can launch away from them and step into that next phase. And then the last thing that God uses, which is a big one, is revelation. God caves or man caves, biblically, are times where God can give us supernatural revelation. He can speak to us, change us. When I think of revelation, because that seems like a big Bible word, um, I don't know if you remember as a kid, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but your mom would come in and wake you up in the morning. And my mom, whenever she would wake me up when I would sleep late, she would come in and just rip the covers off of me (laughs) and just pull them all back. Well, sometimes God needs to do that in regards to him. And he comes in our life, maybe a big rush, maybe, maybe a bit kind of in your face, and he just kind of rips the covers back and says, hey, this is who you are right now. I want to change you. This is what you can be. Uh, I want to help you. Uh, This this is what my word says, and he just kind of rips the covers back for for you. That's what's so great about the word of God. That's what's so great about the voice of God is that it's so multifaceted. It's so different, so changing, and, and God can speak to us through a story that we read a thousand times, and he can just rip the covers back. Come and look at your neighbor and just say, rip the covers back, God, over my life. And so I want to take today, and we're going to look at three different caves. We're going to look at David, Elijah, and Jesus. The first is David's cave. David was the second king of Israel, and this was actually before he became king. And he finds himself in the cave of Adullam, but look what happens. This is 1 Samuel chapter 24. It says, now it happened. Everybody say, It happened. Now, whenever in the Bible, I've said this a hundred times, whenever in the Bible you say, it happened, it's going to be good. This is going to be a good moment. So whenever you read in the Bible, it happened, or he showed up, or something, it's going to be a big event. And so when Saul had returned from following the Philistines, so he was chasing, Saul was the king at the time of Israel, that it was told him, saying, take note, David is in the wilderness of Engadi. And so, so David was being chased by Saul. Saul wanted to kill him. Because of jealousy. David was, was just being a normal guy. I mean, he was a young kid. He's probably 17, 18 years old. And he had killed Goliath. You know the story. With, with a smooth stone, killed him with a slingshot. And now they were singing songs about David. David kills his thousands. and I mean, they, uh, Saul kills his thousands. David kills his ten thousands. And Saul got real jealous for some reason. And matter of fact, the, the Bible says that the presence of God lifted off of Saul. And he says, well, i got to kill David. Not a good thing, but then Saul took the, he took 3,000 chosen men to chase one 18-year-old. Like, what's up with that? From all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. Um, that's right outside of Wilmington. And so he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave. Everybody say a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. In other words, Saul had to go number two. This is a man moment right here. Okay, I just did say that. I did say that. Because in the Hebrew, that's what it means. 
but David and his men were staying in the recesses. Okay, I want you to get this picture, kind of. All right, so Saul has to go to the bathroom. And so he's got 3,000 men, and so he sees this cave so he can go. He's a king. You know, he's not just supposed to go to the bathroom anywhere. He needs to find a solitary place. Now, this is important, or it wouldn't be in the Bible. All right? And so, so what he doesn't know is that David is in the back of the cave, just hanging out with all his, he's about 300 men are in the back of the cave. Now, we know those 300 men are distressed, they're depressed, these are just the rejects, but David is actually building an army out of these 300 men. And he's hiding in the back, and all of a sudden, think about this, all of a sudden, your arch enemy walks into the cave and starts going to the bathroom. Now, I can just say this just plainly, you're vulnerable when you're going to the bathroom. Okay, that's why you lock the door. That's why you're trying to hide when you're going to the bathroom. So Saul is going to the bathroom, and David sees him, and all his men see him. Now remember, why is Saul chasing him? To kill him. So this is a moment for David, in the eyes of the world, to expedite his success. Which happens a lot of times to us, where we know the promise of God, but yet we want to kind of expedite the promise. And so here's what happens. Then the men of David said to him, yo, David, you're not going to believe this. Saul is going to the bathroom. You can kill him right now. This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that he may do to him as it seems good to you. Now remember, David had already been anointed king, but he hadn't taken the position of king. So God said, you are going to be king, but not yet. Everybody say, not yet. See, uh, there there are not yets in our life. All of us have not yets. We know that there is going to be a yet, but it's just not yet. Like, wait a second. You're anointed, you're going to be there, you're going to step into that place, but not yet. You're not ready yet. You're not in position yet. You're not ready for that role. But the circumstance presents itself as an opportunity to make that not yet real for you right then. And that's exactly what happened with Saul. That's exactly what happened with David. He's in the middle of this cave, Saul's going to the bathroom, and all his friends around him say, hey, listen, you can kill him right now, take over the kingship. Imagine, he could not get 300 people, but he could get 3,300. He could get all of the 3,000 along with him just by killing Saul. Look what happens next. And David arose and secretly walked up behind him and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now, what happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to the men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. Okay, time out for a second. How in the world could he call him his master? This is the guy that's trying to kill him. Because David understood the power of submission. He understood the power of submission. He understood the power of authority. He understood that. 
And he says, I, I could have killed him. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants. Sometimes when the opportunity presents itself, you have to act in restraint. You have to kind of restrain yourself because your time is not yet. David recognized, his men thought it was an opportunity. David recognized it was a test. Sometimes we see it as an opportunity when God says, I'm testing you right now. I'm testing to see how you're going to promote. Are you going to let me promote you or are you going to promote yourself? Because when you promote yourself, you end up getting demoted real quick. But when God promotes you, no man can take you out of that position. Are you with me, guys? Okay? So, so it says, David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. And David arose afterward, went out of the cave, and called out to Saul, Hey, Saul, I saw you going number two. My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, look what he did. David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. I want you to write this down. We find success through submission. This is the lesson of David's cave, that we find success through submission. The world has a definition of success. Power, wealth, money, more, cars, houses. But you know, I've met a lot of people who have all of those things and are alone, depressed, and empty. Now, I'm not saying that those things are bad at all. There's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. There's nothing wrong with having nice houses and nice cars and, and, and living in great homes and, and having influence. But when we, when we do it ourselves without God's blessing, we are getting out from under his authority. And disobedience in opportunity can, can put us in a place of success, but we get out from under his submission and out from his authority. I am a make it happen kind of person. I've always been that way. Like, if the door is closed, I'm going to kick it down. If it's locked, I'm going to pick it. I'm going to do whatever I can to get through that door. And honestly, I have gotten ahead of God's grace many times. You know, the Bible says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. But did you know that you can leave and forsake him? You can get out from away from him. So I heard this quote. It says, I climbed the ladder of success only to realize it was leaning against the wrong wall. Isn't that true? Can't we find ourselves in that position where we've climbed this ladder and then we realize, oh my gosh, I'm so empty. I don't even realize, why did I do all this stuff? Because submission is operating under a mission. And one of the ways to stay in God's grace and his favor is to operate under his mission. God gave David a mission. He anointed him. He was anointed to be the king. But yet it wasn't his time to fulfill that mission. God had to place him in the right place. And he had to honor somebody who wanted to kill him. Everybody look at me for a second. That's really hard to do. When your boss is mistreating you, how do you, how do you face him? Do you keep praying for him or do you cuss him out? When, when, things, when our leaders are acting in a way that we don't think they should act, 
do we follow Romans 13 or do we, we, we pick up second opinions? That's not in the Bible, by the way, second opinions. I just want to make that clear. Y'all waiting for me to hit a switch, second opinions three, four. <laughs> Maybe I should do that for the next service and have that read on there. But that's not, that's not in the Bible. But yet we all have one, don't we? We have a second opinions and a first opinions and a third opinions. When God's saying, look, if you'll just submit yourself into a position, I will promote you. I will put you up. I will lift you up. Here's what Jesus said. He said, he sat down and called them around him, his disciples around him. And he said, anyone wanting to be the greatest must be the least. If you want to go up, Jesus says, you got to serve. You got to serve. You know, when, when I, um, we were, we were in the school and I was frustrated this was, you know, we were in, in an elementary school for nine years as a church. Many of you, some of you were around when we were setting up and breaking down as a church. And about two years into that, I got really frustrated, very frustrated, because I just wasn't seeing any progress and growth of the church. And um, I, uh, my wife and I were like, we need to get another building. Like, we need to find a space that we can lease and just, because that, that felt like that was the next step for us. Like, that was the thing that we were supposed to do. So, man, I started calling everybody, going everywhere, looking at all these options and going in this building and that building and this building and that building. And I thought it was a great idea. But every time it seemed like I would get to that place, God would shut it down. And I was getting so mad at God. I was getting so angry with him. And I was like, come on, God. I don't want to meet in the school forever. Like, this, it feels like it's going to be forever. Now, the whole time I was riding by this road right here from my house, because I would ride from, I lived in Highland Creek, and I would ride right by this, this place. I would ride right by this, 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 this land, and I would go to the school that we were meeting at. And I finally, for some reason, I just saw a sign that said for sale. And I looked over at that land, and I said, there's no way we can afford that. Here I was trying to make my own opportunity, trying to kick my own door down, and I was getting outside of the grace of God. I was stepping away from what he had on my life. See, what I didn't realize is it wasn't that God was holding us back. It was I wasn't ready to move forward. And so I needed to prepare myself. Now, I thought I was ready. Because how many of y'all know you always think you're ready? Think I'm ready for another relationship, another boyfriend, another girlfriend. You all, we always think we're ready. We always look at the opportunity for success. But see, what God is trying to do in us is see, when we find success through submission, then we will discover significance. Then we realize that we can create legacy in our life. And so 18 years later, I look at what God has done. If I would have rushed that, if I would have killed Saul, I don't believe I would be where I am right now. Think about you. Maybe you need to spend some time in David's cave. Are you looking for success? Maybe when it's time really to submit yourself. The second cave I want to talk about is Elijah's cave. Elijah's cave. I, lo I love Elijah. He's one of my favorite prophets in the Bible. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19. It says, and there he went into a cave. Now, let's just stop right here. Let me just tell you what's happened so far with Elijah. Elijah was in, in all, all views from everybody would have been Ex extremely successful. 
He had killed 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. He had called, not only did he stop it from raining from three years, for three years, he also called rain out of heaven after three years. Okay, it's one thing to pray that it stops. It's another one to pray that it starts. So he did both. Then he ran faster than the king's chariot, which most theologians believe that was anywhere between 27 and, and like 25 miles at about 27 miles an hour. That's pretty fast. Usain Bolt ain't got nothing on him. And then, after all of that, Jezebel, who's this crazy housewives of Jerusalem woman, says, I want to kill you. And he runs away from Ahab, the kings of Israel, Ahab and Jezebel. And he finds himself out in the wilderness, and he wants to kill himself because he has completely lost his mission. So he's sitting under a broom tree, and he gets depressed. And he wants to kill himself. And God sends an angel and feeds him a couple days. And he goes 40 days into the wilderness. And he finds himself in this cave with God. And he says, and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord. Remember Revelation? Came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, in Elijah? here, Elijah? Now, whenever God asks you what you're doing here, it's not because God doesn't know what you're doing here. The reason why God asked Elijah what he's doing here is because Elijah has no idea what he's doing here. He's trying to figure out. And I think sometimes we find ourselves, why am I in this city? Why am I in this job? Why am I in this relationship? Why am I in this church? Why am I in this ministry? And God's question to you is, what are you doing here? And it's not because he doesn't know. It's because you don't know. I don't know. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord. I've been going to church. I've been serving. I've been, I've been doing everything for the children of Israel. I've forsaken your covenant, your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets. He took no responsibility for this at all. He's like, it's all your fault, God. And isn't that funny how we get to that place? Where the best thing we can do to get out of the responsibility is just blame it on somebody else. It's all her fault. She made me do it. It's all his fault. It's all their fault. Why did you give me all those kids? <laughs> Come on, Lord. I heard a comedian say he has five kids, and he says, you know what it's like to have go from four to five? Pretend like you're drowning, and then they just throw you a kid. <laughs> and so some of us feel like that with one. But anyway... Let's keep going. I alone and left here. I'm all by myself. And they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But yet he caused all of them. Understand, he caused them all, but he wasn't in it. He was looking for a supernatural moment because that's all he had experienced up to that point. Understand, Elijah had experienced all the supernatural stuff, run faster than a chariot, took down 850 prophets of Zael, called down water, called down fire out of heaven, but now he's looking for the supernatural, and God says, listen, 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 I'm not going to talk to you that way this time. Because I want you to see me in a different way. 
I want you to experience me in a different way. This is really good, golf. I don't, want, I don't want you to get into a crutch of looking at me in this particular light. I don't want you to always, I want to get you out of the mundane. I want you to get out, maybe sit in a different seat. Maybe go a different way. I'm not going to be in the fire. I'm not going to be in the wind. I'm not going to be in the, in the tornado. I'm not going to be in all that. I'm not going to be over here like you've always experienced. I'm not, it's not always going to be this song or, or that guitar moment or, or that song, whatever it may be. I wanna, I wanna, it's going to be in the still, small voice. It's going to be in the still, small voice. See, when we, when we find decisions... In God's direction. We find our decisions in God's direction. And God is about to give Elijah some direction. If you read the story, he keeps telling him, go, Elijah. Go. The greatest cure cure for depression is go. Get up. Do something. Get out of the bed. Walk out of the house. Get in the car. Go to work. Now, that's not, that's not saying that that's all of the answer, but that's part of it. That's the step we need to take. We all need Elijah's cave because we all find ourselves when we lack direction. And when we lack direction, we make bad decisions. Ooh, we make some bad decisions when, when we're scattered in our directive. So we've got to hear the voice of God. Let, let, me, let me help you with that still small voice because what does it sound like? What does God's direction sound like to Elijah? He gives him four directives. And, and God's voice is always found in one of these for you and me. So first thing he does, he says, I want you to go to this wilderness in Damascus. So number one, he gives him a place to go. So if you're waiting for God's voice, often the still small voice will give you a destination. Well, I want to know what's going to happen when I get there. Time out. You don't need that yet. Just one one thing at a time. Just take take it easy. Take it light. Just be, be, be sensitive to the moment. The first thing he's going to tell you to go there. Well, what happens when I get there? Don't worry about that right now. Just go there. Second thing he says is a task to do, a task to do. So sometimes his still small voice will be a task. I want you to do this. Well, what's going to happen when I do it? That's not your, don't worry about that. Well, well, how's it going to affect me? Stop it. Stop it. He also, so he gave him, he, so he gave him a place to go. I want you to go to the wilderness of Damascus. He gave him a task to do. He says, I want you to anoint Jehu. I want you to anoint Hazael. And then the third, a relationship to build. I want you to meet up with this guy named Elisha. And I want you to anoint him because he's going to take your place. So I want to build relationships. So what does God's voice, what does that still small voice sound like? A place to go. A task to do. A relationship to, to maybe fix, restore begin oh man I, I met this person at Walmart yesterday not me maybe you maybe you met him at Walmart we were six feet away we started talking he had a mask on really couldn't see his face I don't know if he was happy sad I don't know because you can't tell when they have a mask on are they mad at me or what they look oh, they all look mad <laughs> they all look angry don't they I don't even know are you smiling can you just pull it down for a second and just give me a smile because I need to see some teeth it's been a long time since I've seen teeth. <laughs> Any-
Anybody with me out there? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Isn't it frustrating? Look, I'm all about the mask or not the mask. That's up to you, but please, just let me know if you're smiling. At least a couple people, their eyes got to go up in the air a little bit when they smile or something like that. Are you happy or sad? A relationship to build. (laughs) God says, I want you to go restore this relationship, connect with this person. I want you to connect with Elisha. And And then lastly, he says, a promise to hold on to. Elijah, Elijah, I want you to let you know. I know you think you're alone, but there are 7,000 prophets that have not bowed the knee to me. Trust me, I got you covered, brother. God, God, what what does the still small voice sound like? It sounds like a place to go. It sounds like a task to do. It sounds like a a relationship to build. It sounds like a promise to hold on to. You say, am I going to get all four? Maybe not. You might get one out of four. You might get two out of four. You might get all four like Elijah. He needed all four. Sometimes you need all four. You need somewhere to go, something to do, somebody to meet, and a promise to hold on to. But sometimes you're only going to get one of those things. And that's okay. That's okay because that's what that cave is for. See, David ran to the cave. Elijah was sent to the cave. And Jesus was destined for a cave. Let's talk about Jesus' cave in closing. I want to just take a couple minutes and talk about Jesus' cave. Look at, look at what happened in Matthew 27. It says, now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When G- Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped him in a clean linen cloth. And laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. He put him in a cave. He rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. You know, I think when we, when we read the story of Jesus, we think it was easy for Jesus to make this decision. But see, with us, we find his life when we lay ours down. David David ran to the cave. Elijah was sent to the cave. Jesus was destined for the cave. And it wasn't easy for him. Because just before he went, he tried to negotiate with dad. Is this really what you want me to do? Like, is this the only way that I can do this? See, I believe that one of the hardest things... Or the hardest assignment as a Christian is letting go. Isn't it? Here's what Jesus said. He said, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Oh, that's so hard. Come on, if Jesus, look at me. If Jesus struggled with this, don't don't you think that you and I would struggle with it too? I mean, he had to, he, he prayed so hard that he bled. He prayed so hard. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what What do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? 
is anything worth more than your soul? I'm telling you, man, it's hard to let go. So here's what I want to finish today. What do you need to let go of? Just simple, just one. What, what is that one thing that's holding you back? Jesus, his whole ministry was about trying to get people to let go. He met a rich guy. He said, can you just let go of your money? Because your money's got you. And if you can let go of it, you can stay connected to me. There was a woman who, her whole life was built around works. Her name was Martha. And he says, look, if you can just do what Mary's doing and worship me, it'll help, man. It'll get you delivered. Peter, if you can just let go of your failure, you'll be a superstar in the kingdom of God. What do you need to let go of? Hey, Dad, what do you need to let go of to go up? Because when you find his life, you'll let go of yours. Just stand up on your feet if you could. I'm going to pray for you today. It requires relinquishing control. It means letting go, like letting, letting go. It's hard. Surrendering. I surrender. I surrender, God. I surrender to you. Would you just close your eyes if you could? Watching online, just, just close your eyes right where you are. What do you need to let go of? Is there something in your life you need to let, let go of? Maybe it's sin. Maybe, maybe there is a pattern of sin in your life where you need to let go. You need to release it and let it go. There's a habit you need to let go of. Dad, maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's a sexual sin. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's shame that you need to let go of from the past. Maybe it's rehearsing a past failure and just holding you back from finding the true nature, the true trueness of God, who God wants to be in your life. And you can lay that down. He'll help you. Is it easy? No, 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 no. We all have our Garden of Gethsemane moments. We all have that cave that we have to die in. And maybe today's that day that you need, you are destined, destined for the cave of Jesus. If you're here today watching online and you say, I know I need to let go of sin. I want to I pick up the life of Jesus Christ. I want to follow Jesus. Or maybe, maybe you're here. Just two questions. Maybe you need to let go of sin. And follow Jesus. Or maybe there's just something in your life that you know God is speaking right now that you need to let go of. That's holding you back. Maybe it is money. Maybe it is your career. Maybe it is a relationship. I don't know what it is, but God does and you do. And you're in that cave right now so you can get, it, get free from it. If that's you, would you just, just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Hands all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just pray this out loud. Let's just make a declaration of whose we are and then ask God to help us by the Holy Spirit to surrender that thing. Just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, come everybody in this room. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today, I give my life to you, Lord. I let go so I can find you. I surrender so I can serve you. I give up control so you can take over. I am dependent on you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said,
Amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. Come on, Freedom House. Give it up. That was such a good message. Oh, my goodness. I loved it. I loved um, the part with Elijah. You know, there was the wind, the earthquake, uh, all the things. And many times we find ourselves in those kinds of storms, and we have to really press in and hear God's voice. And I'm just so thankful for a church and a pastor uh, who would just take a minute for us to still ourselves and to hear his voice. So whatever it is that you had to let go of today, I know that there's freedom on the other side of whatever it is you might be dealing with. So we celebrate with you. Freedom House, can you give it up for all those that let something go today? Love freedom. Yes, and don't forget, if you did make a decision, stop by Guest Central on the way out. We have a book we'd love to get in your hands. And also, life groups have started launching, so you guys want to be a part of that. You can go to freedomhouse.cc slash connect to find all that information. But guys... You need to be in a life group. You know, I think about David, and I think about that cave. You know, he set a precedent for all the men that were in that cave. And sometimes we just need somebody else so we can look to that says, you know what, I just need you to set me straight on this. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. All right, so guys, get in a life group. Women, get in a life group. Couples, get in a life group. There's something for everybody. If you're online, get in an online life group, whatever it may be. But Freedom House, we love you. Have a great week. Have an awesome Father's Day. And have a good Eat some steak. Yes. And don't cook it yourself. <laughs>